Welcome to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, episode 46, South Africa, also known as Apartheid or a South African Adventure. I'm Dave. I'm Tom. I'm Richard. I'm Rob. And this episode was first broadcast on the 21st of April, 1975, a Monday at 9pm. Before you go into details, what did we think of this one, Richard? I enjoyed it. It's obviously quite a controversial episode of the Goodies. In fact, it's probably their most controversial episode, I would think. Uh, certainly in terms of its production. It's maybe a little dated. At the time, it would have been a, it was a real hot potato. And I, I actually thought it worked. It was a really good satire, I thought. Rob? I really enjoyed it. As Richard was saying, it, large elements of it are extremely controversial. It also is a discomforting view because you are laughing along, even though it is satire, you are laughing along with racism, in a sense. But, uh, but but I suppose that's the setup, isn't it? In order to make the joke, someone has to be the bad guy. So, yeah, so maybe it's a bit disappointing it's one of the goodies. So we'll get into that in a moment, but Tom, what did you think overall? I do quite like South Africa as an episode. Yes, it's uh, probably uncomfortable subject matter in today's enlightened world, uh, but as contrasted to last week, there was absolutely the point that we're here to satirise the status of South Africa at yeah, look, that time. I, I, I agree with all of that, what you've said. This is actually one of my favourite episodes. It's one that I pull down on a regular basis to watch because I think it is very watchable. It is very, very funny. And it is very effective as a satire. So we'll get into that because very quickly you know what the episode's about. It starts off with the granny going past the South African Tourist Bureau <laughs> and just sort of being dragged in and put in the crate. And then you cut to uh, Philip Maddock, who we'll talk about in detail in a moment, as the South African immigration official, where he's singing I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas whilst playing a piano with the white keys are all on one side and the black keys are all on the other. At that point, there's absolutely no doubt what we're doing here. We are absolutely satirising and making fun of, and I think it's fair to say condemning, apartheid and the South yes, African... Yes, I mean, our, our first image of the South African tourist board is a sign that says, through door and turn white. Yeah. Yes. Well, on your point, uh, David, if you're just simply satirising and not making fun of it, I think you, you sort of let them off the hook a little bit, don't you? Yeah, and I think it's, there's absolutely no doubt they are condemning this. Mm. They do it in an interesting way, which is they themselves at times take on the bad guy role, which, as we've said before a couple of times, is an ideal. But you do have Philip Maddox's character in there, who is very clearly speaks for the regime, who is very clearly an unpleasant person, who very clearly is saying unpleasant things, and then making Bill the victim of a part height mm. later on, a- a- again, makes it very clear the goodies are against this thing. Yes. And I would say that having members of the goodies take on the, the villain roles, in a sense, makes the, the satire land even harder, because your ostensible heroes are projecting those, those, you know, those despicable values, and it, it's more thought-provoking for the audience to have it that way, I think. Yeah, look, it is. So we'll just go into a couple of bits of background here first. Obviously, by 1975, apartheid is very much at the um, the height of its sort of regime. Uh, we're not quite down to the sort of the more controversial stuff. The Soweto uprising is a year later, in 1976. Uh, Steve Biko is killed in 1977. 
although Mandela was, of course, jailed in 1962. Yep. Uh, so we're probably not at the absolute pinnacle, but it's very, very much entrenched. And certainly in Australia, I mean, this is the year Malcolm Fraser became Prime Minister, and one of his big things during his time was the fight against apartheid. He led to South Africa, you know, the sporting bans and all that sort of thing. I was about thing. to say, because so, they're also in sporting isolation largely at this point as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, Australia played a large part in that, so mm-hmm. kudos to us. So, look, given that context, we'll now look at the episode, and then I think we'll come back at the end and say, does it work as a satire? And as we'll do, and we'll talk about the background as well. So, as I said, we've opened in the South African Tourist Bureau. We've seen Philip Maddox's character. We should probably talk about Philip Maddox at this point then. So, he was in yes. four Doctor Whos plus one of the films in the 1960s. Yes. He's in probably the most famous episode of Dad's Army, which is the Deadly Attachment, where yes. he plays the U boat captain. He's in five episodes of The Avengers. He's in four episodes of Zed Cars. The last of the Mohicans, he's in Survivors. He's in 17 episodes of Target. He plays Lloyd George in The Life and Times of Lloyd oh, George. Oh, yes, that's right. He's in A Very British Coup. He's just sort of, he's, he's that guy. Yes. That you just see in sort of everything yeah. for about 40 years on British television. And he's bloody good in this, mm. I think, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. No disagreements. Yeah, no he embodies the nastiness of the regime, doesn't he, really? He, he does, but he does it in a way that you can at least still laugh because this is a comedy, mm. but there's no doubt he's a very nasty and unpleasant person. No, he has a human side. He wrote his little poem. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, that's very good. <laughs> so we get into his office. His office is painted very bright white. As I say, the, the piano has the keyboard, which has the white keys, and yeah, they're all segregated. There's the point where he goes to put on the dark glasses and screams and puts on the white glasses. Uh, the bit where they paint Graham's tie. Uh, yes, <laughs> he pours the coffee and it's just two jugs of white rather than a black and a white. <laughs> There's nothing subtle about we, what's we, going on in that office. No, we, we have enough. the white we, and white minstrels. <laughs> oh, we're going to film a commercial. Oh, I'm black and white? No, just, just white. white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, he talks about how they need to get more immigrants coming to South Africa and um, people aren't coming. That's why they're having these, and he touches the crate, package tours. <laughs> <laughs> This is a now unusual example of where the goodies are actually hired because he hires them to create a film to attract immigrants yes. to move to South Africa. <sighs> Which brings us to his film. Mm. Now, this is done in a couple of ways. Part of it is just that very clever satire of that sort of newsreel type immigration thing, you know, with Graham sitting at the desk with the spinning globe, you know, calling all immigrants. Have you thought about migrating? Well, you wouldn't be here if you hadn't. And it's got that. It's got lots of really good visual gags, like the table mountain, yes. which is just a table. <laughs> the, the, the the wildlife, which is the the, the dog with the, the lion's mane. And the cardboard spring the box. The cardboard spring box. And, and look, all those terribly lame jokes like, and of course, you can shoot the game with, with a, a camera, camera, of course. <laughs> and then the camera, it actually just blows up the spring box. You know, all of that. But it's also got the black natives played by Tim as a black and white minstrel. Yes. Which, again, we'll save this all for one go at the end of the episode. It's got the fake sharks in the pool, which I found very funny. <laughs> He's shown to be the master of his own business. Yes, yes, he lives in a palatial house. Yes, all that sort of thing. This would be very funny, except for the fact that, as I say, it is Tim as a black and white minstrel, which makes it uncomfortable. Again, we'll talk about that later. All of this outrages the South African official because he wanted just to bring white people to South Africa yes. and he's worried they're going to bring black people to South Africa which has and I'll say it right now this is my favourite line of the, the episode you've made it look like South Africa is full of black people having a good time well it is full of black people but they're not having a good time 
and, and look, as you said, Rob, it is totally unsubtle. Mm. And it just completely just says, you know, this is actually a very oppressive regime for the black people living there at the time. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a whole section before that too where after he's painted Graham's tie, he actually says Graham looks a bit dusky. And then we have the series where Graham has to, of course, do his thing. Well, he has a sister called Topsy. Uh, he likes <laughs> reggae music and Daddy was, was a bus conductor. I'm not in the least bit dusky. No, Topsy is one of the characters in Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uh, is where that's from and of course daddy being a bus conductor because there was when a lot of the immigrants came to Britain they had to take low paying jobs that the British people and I use that in inverted commas thought were beneath them well it's ever thus I mean you see that here in Australia where you know immigrants come in the waves of immigration they take the low paid jobs yes Mm. Yes. the locals in inverted commas don't want to do it's interesting actually they never touched on that and on the buses they did not a few years earlier. And that, that's, the, that's the first time I've heard the words interesting and on the buses. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't, we won't go there. We won't go there. So, of course, because the South Africans need now more white people to come in to balance the black people the goodies are going to attract, he asks the goodies if they've ever thought of emigrating bending, bending, a poker. bending a poker around Tim's neck. And they decide that it's time for them to go. Yeah, when they arrive in South Africa and, of course, they discover that the tourist board man has been demoted and sent home in shame. But what's really interesting is at that point you see a whole lot of the black South Africans all leaving on yes. the boats they're coming in on, which is a very unusual step for the goodies because it actually flags the final gag of the episode or the final point of the episode. Chekhov's gun. Very, very early. It is a very rare Chekhov's mm. gun, or Chekhov's immigrant in this case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a very rare Chekhov's gun, you're right, that, that in the goodies where... That is actually laid out yes. early on. The coloured South Africans are all leaving because the ones who came from England told them how great it was there and they've gone back home and taken all our lot with them. Yes. Yeah, so we then have that second scene with Philip Maddox's character, as you said, Richard. He then makes the point that he's actually going to miss them, which, of course, then leads into the second bit that it's not so much that he doesn't like the black people, it's clearly he wants them subservient so they will do all the menial jobs, which, of course, then leads into the section with the goodies where they discuss this in slightly more detail. Yes. And I'll just quickly make the point before we discuss that. At a house that's been sold to them by Ian Smith Real Estate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Smith being the, at that time, president of what's now Zimbabwe at the time was Rhodesia and was, of course was a white minority government. There's a bit of that about in Southern Africa, wasn't there? Well, Kenneth Kayunda would have been, he was head of Zambia at that point, which yes. is northern Rhodesia. So that, that transitioned over. Yes. Botswana went across a lot earlier. That was one of the first. And, and, and of course, Idi Amin was in charge of Uganda. So yes, but the less said about that, the better. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so yes, they have a conversation about how they've now got to do all the housework and all the jobs because uh, the black South Africans have left. Yes, they use several other racial terms, which maybe we won't repeat here. But No. Uh, and that is interesting because what it seems to be implying, I, I think and perhaps I hope this is what the goodies are doing, is that now that they've moved to South Africa, they've found themselves to be part of the system and part of society, and sort of been ingratiated into that, and just showing how it's insidious the whole thing is. It is. It's almost a send-up, though, of more of the colonial era, where yeah. you had the white landowners would come in, and, of course, they would then employ the locals as menials. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, that scene could just as easily have been in 1920s India, for example. I think in terms of the structure of the episode, it, it, you have to have at least a couple of the, the goodies fulfil that role. Mm. You know, be embraced by society and take on the trappings of the white overlords. 
Yes, and at that point then Philip Maddox's character comes back in and because he now very clearly aligns with Tim and Graham, you're very clearly shown that they are now on the bad side of the system mm. and this is where they get to separate Bill off and make him... Although, prior to that point, it's actually been Bill who's been making most of the racial comments. Yes. He uses a lot of the racial terms. Yes. And, of course, he says that Tim is only doing this because there are no blacks there to do the menial chores. So after Tim has given his speech about a man should is a man regardless of his colour or creed, Bill then basically says, well, yes, they're very good at doing things like washing dishes and cleaning shoes. And Tim says, well, yeah, but those jobs are degrading. And he says, well, how come you're doing them? And Tim says, well, because there's no more nignogs. Is the writing a bit confused there? Because at one point, Bill is being racist. And then on the flip side, once he is being picked on, mm. he suddenly becomes the freedom, freedom but, fighter. But is that to set up that joke? Because he's the worst of them. And then suddenly, when it applies to him, I, I think so. he suddenly mm. thinks like, well, actually, hang on. I think it's meant to be that dramatic turnaround that he gets his comeuppance, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think it's very important what you said in there, Richard, in that... Unusually for the goodies, in which is not always that political, but mm. maybe it's just satire and makes some points. There's a moment there where Tim almost... It's almost like watching Charlie Chaplin at the end of The Great Dictator, where he actually breaks character for a moment and gives the message of the film. Mm. Tim almost actually does break character for a moment and gives his a man is a man no matter what colour his skin is speech, which to me Matt says, I don't know whether the BBC insisted on that, or whether they've gone, look, we need to overtly put this in here, that this is our view. Uh, but it is very clearly, as I say, almost outside the script, just dropped in there to be to make a point. Mm. But, of course, they then followed up with the joke about, well, OK, but that means you're left doing all the degrading jobs. Yes, which is interesting writing, as you say. So, as I say, Philip Maddox's character is back, the South African official, and he's very happy because the government has decided to institute a new form of segregation, which is apartheid. <laughs> and, of course, this is clearly making the point that the, the segregation in South Africa is perhaps less about what the segregation is, but just that these people want to have segregation yes. and they want to have an Yes, underclass. they want an underclass. They just want an underclass, yes. And it can be... And I think that what they're actually saying is that declaring segregation on the basis of race is as absurd and as ridiculous as doing, doing it on the basis height. of height. Exactly. So, you know, it, it is very clearly put out there. Uh, but, of course, being a part height means that Graham and Tim are now the biggins and Bill is part of the new little and underclass which otherwise seems to be comprised of jockeys yes. <laughs> yeah, the latter part of the episode. episode yes uh, look there's some good stuff in there like referring to Tim as the oh great white queen <laughs> and there's some also very good lines there which again just sort of are actually quite biting like Bill's line I've got my rights to which he replies oh no you haven't I found that scene to be a little undermined perhaps by Bill's sort of how do you do there approach to playing the, the, the little one. But, but again, as we've, we've spoken about before, if the goodies see a chance for a joke, yeah. yes. they do do the joke. And, and, yes. and you're, you're right, if, if this was a biting satire, then it wouldn't be as funny, but it would be more biting. They Yeah, I, I was going to say, you wouldn't go down that path, no. really. I wouldn't have thought. But again, they've done it because... Yes, that it, that, that, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, there's also a really wonderful line in there, which I must admit... Um, reflects on stuff I do at work even now, which is the article, I'll pass with the paper, there's a great article on censorship. And the opposite <laughs> half the front of the page of the paper's been cut out. I, I do like that. But yeah, at this point, Bill is now part of the minority class, or the underclass. By yes. reading the script. I like the script. Yeah. Yes. 
you get this script. Yes. And then, of course, he said, no, I'm not doing this. Stick to the script. <laughs> <laughs> yes, boss, my tongue is slathering for your boots. I distinctly remember when I was watching this when I was a boy, they were the really hilarious parts where Bill has put on that voice, which I'd never heard of, heard before. Yeah, I must admit, that's the thing. It's it's funny. You can't help but laugh. But now your skin crawls yes. a little bit. You, yes. you do feel a bit sort of dirty laughing at it. Yeah, yeah a little bit. I, you still laugh, though, so... <laughs> <laughs> I think probably because it's so over the top. It is. Um, well, I think, well, yeah. well, well, Thank you, boss, for that most agreeable kick in the bum. <laughs> After they've spent several minutes abusing Bill, basically, <laughs> the siren goes, and of course that signals the end of their fun because it means he has to go back to the compound for the evening. Bill won't take this lying down, so he tears up his pass and then takes off into the wilderness to organise the revolution. Well, first, of course, you have the chase scene where he's been chased around town by the South African police. Yep. Yes, which is very clearly London. Yes. <laughs> Anglewood. <laughs> yes. I thought that was a really well put together little scene. I mean, there's some very good visual gags in that. Oh, yes. they go hell for leather on every height joke that they could think of, mm. right down to the uh, Ronnie Corbett show cancelled. That's right. Yeah. And Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> but the other thing is, what I think makes it all work is, I think I agree, it's very funny, it's very good, is that Bill plays it totally straight. So Bill is actually genuinely scared of the police. Yes. Which, although we're laughing with it, I think it is also making that very important point that this was life for the underclass in South Africa at that time. You genuinely were fearful of being caught by the police, mm. being caught out after curfew, mm. uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, very funny, but again, very effective. And yeah, lots of little jokes, even just the reference to the Cape Town races, rather than the Cape Town races. <laughs> All that sort of thing, and we've said before, by this stage, the goodies are just mining things with subtle little jokes. Uh, one we didn't mention, for example, is when they arrive at the customs section in South Africa, and Bill's got basically a woman wrapped up in brown yeah. paper. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that he just tosses. Yeah. And, and it's another one of those gags that it's not mentioned, it's not highlighted, it's just a bit of prop humor that he's got very subtly for those who want to notice it. Mm. And yeah, they're doing really good stuff by that stage. He eventually is caught after he falls into the shallow end of the pool. Yeah. <laughs> very good. And is put into the compound with, well, as I said, with what appears to be a load of jockeys. Yes. <laughs> well, look, I guess they're making, yeah, that's a very yeah, obvious joke. If you do yeah. a joke about short people, you make a joke about jockeys. Which, of course, the joke about the jockeys continues on because when they cut back to the estate, they have Scobie, who was killed in today's hunting activity, which is uh, Scobie Breasley. He was an Australian jockey, but he did a lot of work in England. And, of course, Lester, Lester Pickett. Yes. The episode then sort of starts to build towards its conclusion with the jockeys attack and have some good stuff about there about, you know, the stars all look like hundreds of little lies. They are hundreds of little lies. Or they might send us a message on the drums and they throw the bass drum at them with a the, the message written on it. All that very good stuff. Or, you know, the jungle drums. Then you see Bill playing the drum kit. Again, lots of really nice little gags in there. And, of course, there's Tim and Graham beating each other, slapping each other on the oh, front of oh, yes. the mosquitoes Which, or the flies. As, they're, uh, as, they're, as they're conversing about, you know, how things are. So, yeah, and, and they get to do variations on that joke, which all are slightly different and all it's very funny. Yes. <laughs> So it leads us all towards the end. Bill has his revolution. Yes. Now cap on, is that right? He's wearing that. that... Yeah. I, I think so. Well, it's the scene where they try to travel into town, which I guess again is sort of that colonialism yes. thing where you had the farm that was some way out of the main, main town. Yes. That, I must admit, that dragged a little bit, that scene for me, but. Yeah, I, I don't think they really quite had a lot. I guess they just needed some sort of passage of time between Bill saying, I'm leading a revolution, and 
building off of the kingship of South Africa. Yes, you actually have to show the revolution happening. Yeah, even if it's just a few perfunctory scenes, which is kind of what it is, you need to at least yes. acknowledge it, because it then leads to Bill winning, and no, I decline your offer to be king of South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> and they decide to all go back to Britain. Now, by this point, the South African Tourist Bureau official has had his head chopped off and his mountain on the wall. Mm. Now, that's a, now what, what is that? Is that... Philip Maddock in like half a mask is he just really thick makeup or what is it because it looks like he's just a fake head and then he speaks no that's him I think that's him all the way he's just well it's him I, I don't know I mean he's obviously just poking his head through the, the board but I mean it's rather strange I must admit the way it's done but yeah. and I, I think it's obviously meant to be a bit of a play on the ventriloquist thing as well because he doesn't if you notice initially he goes ragged he doesn't actually talk properly uh, and yes he warns them that things have changed back in the UK which Leads to them going back there, and as we, we flagged earlier, and as the goodies flagged earlier, now that all the black South Africans have moved to the UK, they've now taken all the important jobs. And so, for example, you see the Queen drive past, and she's now a black lady. You now have a black Enoch Powell saying, keep Britain black. Now, at this point, Enoch Powell's been mentioned a couple of times, but I think this is the first time we've ever seen him. He was a Conservative MP for a very long time. He was on the front bench until his infamous Rivers of Blood speech against immigration in 1968. Yes. At which point he was sacked from the shadow cabinet. He came back into the parliament though, didn't he? Yeah, so he was re-elected as an Ulster Unionist MP in Belfast in 1974, which would of course be a year before this and stayed there for about another 10 years or so. Look, he continued to be a advocate for very austere immigration policies and he sort of never strayed away from that. But he also led quite a bit of a campaign about fighting back against the IRA in Northern Ireland. He had a very different approach to the British and indeed, some of his speeches on some of the terrorism laws that Thatcher introduced are actually, I think, stand the test of time. But he was also, yes, a notoriously anti-immigration <laughs> type of politician who, look, although he was elected back to Parliament, it was very much on the fringes mm. by this stage and was a figure of you know, ridicule and satire, as the goodies do here. And the episode ends with them deciding they need to fit in and putting shoe polish on their faces. Yes. Yes, indeed. From the white shoeshine boy. Yeah. That's not a troublesome sequence of events at all. <laughs> so, okay, having got to the end of this episode, we said at the start it set out to skewer the apartheid regime. I don't think there's any doubt that it has skewered it. Did it cross the lines while doing it? Do you think it works? Do you think it doesn't work? What are your thoughts? As we said at the top, for it to work, you obviously need villains to show how bad things are. The Goodies is maybe the wrong show to have a couple of them turn into the villains. It's a comedy series, and, and as we've discussed previously, faced with making a political point of going for a laugh, they will invariably go for the laugh. Could you argue that the material that they're satirising, or the subject, is far too heavy or dark for The Goodies? Because I think... I mean, I enjoyed it, but it is, it is problematic sometimes... And I'm just wondering now whether, as I said before, the, the fact of apartheid, the fact of racial segregation of, is something that it's a little bit too far out for, for what the goodies are really all about. Is there also a problem that whilst they are simply satirising the apartheid regime, we are now viewing it through the prism of modern sensibilities to race. Mm. And that means that some of what wouldn't have been uncomfortable then and could just have been a satire is now uncomfortable. It, it, look, so I, so there, are, there are different layers to it. That's true. Look, I, you know... I enjoyed watching this episode again. I laughed at it. I didn't feel too uncomfortable at what I was mm. laughing at. But you've just got to understand what they're all about. I, I guess maybe the other thing is, 
Given some of the other racial stereotyping and blackface gags they've done elsewhere in the series, is this a bit of an about-face? I think it depends on how you draw the line between being politically correct and being out-and-out racist. Because, I mean, there's always that joke about blackface, well, it was acceptable in the 70s, whereas, I mean, leading into the stuff about modern sensibilities, obviously now that, that's totally verboten. Yeah, so, but... so, so there were two parts in here that I did sort of pause and go, well, that's, that's a bit too close to the knuckle. One was the scene with the Enterprises. One, one was the immigration film, which had... Yes, as... let's, let's call it what it was. It was called Sambo Enterprises. Yeah, yeah. and that, that to me was, you know, that's something you wouldn't do now, I thought was too far. And the other, as we said during our discussion... And, and I, was... suspect, I suspect it's probably almost too far then, yeah. I think. No, I don't know. Let's not forget, I mean, the, the, the fight against apartheid and the fight against racism generally wasn't just, you know, in the 1970s. There have been for decades and centuries mm-hmm. people fighting against slavery and, and, and arguing against racism. So it's just not something that happened in the 70s. No, of course not. But I, I suppose by the 70s, you are getting to a point where, and we all go, oh, but they were making the Black and White Minstrel Show, but Black and White Minstrel Show have been having complaints made against it since the late 60s. Hmm. So calling something Sambo Enterprises, I would have thought by 75, is probably getting a little bit too close to the knuckle, yeah, but I, I would have thought. Also in that time of Love Thy Neighbour, Right, so the, the the language of the time was Nick Dog, Nick Dog, Sambo, you know, yes, Darky, yeah, all of that sort of stuff which, went which, which out there. To... But, but then again, I suppose that the thing, and, and it was probably lost in how Love Thy Neighbor was produced. Hmm. The coloured gentleman in that, he was every bit as racist and as unpleasant as Jack Smethurst. Yes, and a lot of the stories weren't racial stuff it was more about one of them would do something that would upset the other one and it was all about one upmanship mm. really and then the wives obviously were supposed to be the, the voices of sanity and in they the background. Were, and they were good friends yes but all of that but the language of the time again it, it was what was there and what was presented and the other part that did make me pause for a moment was as we discussed during it that scene at the country house where billy's being overtly unpleasant now, I think we can justify it in terms of the script that he then gets his comeuppance. And if this was a drama, that would be very overtly done. Again, because it's a comedy, it doesn't quite land in there. So there are simply a two or three minutes of Bill actually sort of taking the apartheid line. And that is well, actually quite uncomfortable. Well, I think, I think you're right there, because at, at that time, you can see him absolutely into it and goes, oh, this is fun, isn't it? And goes, yeah, it will be beat. You know, <laughs> you know Philip Maddock coming through, but not so much for you. <laughs> I do think there is a point. Maybe it is a bit too heavy a subject for the goodies. I mean, given the goodies is slapstick humour and speeded up film a lot of the time, mm. maybe that's a bit like we said with, I think, the women's lube episode a couple of seasons back. Maybe it's a topic that's perhaps just a little bit too heavy for but the goodies. Having said that, does it work in satirising the, the regime? I think it does, and I would be very disappointed if this episode was to be dismissed for crossing some... You know, it, it does cross lines, you're right. I'll be very disappointed though if it was dismissed for that because I think it does skewer an oppressive regime very, very effectively. It makes a very good point effectively. And the fact that it apparently was the BBC higher-ups were a little bit terrified of it yes. speaks to its overt political nature and the fact that this would generate a controversy, hence the satire does work. I think so. So perhaps, Richard, you want to take us through that? I'm not going to go through it line by line, but if you have the goodies DVD, South Africa is on the second one, and certainly on the UK release, I'm not sure if it's on the Australian DVD, but they actually have the original 
script as written, the original rehearsal script for there, which are fairly different to what we, is shown on screen. They're on there as PDFs under the special features. The, the story of production with this, and I'll try and keep this brief, season five, as we discussed early on, was, was hit by industrial action. They filmed clown virus and movies, and then the industrial action hit, and they had to reschedule everything. And then the intention was that they would film... South Africa was originally going to be the third episode in the season, followed by Chubby Chups. And the plan was once they got the recordings back on track, they recorded those two, and then they were going to have a break over Christmas, and then they'd come back and record the rest of the series. The BBC would start screening it in the early part of 75, and they'd have about a week between each episode to, to edit before it went out. So they would actually be filming the later episodes as the early ones were screening. What happened during the break was the BBC saw the finished South Africa episode as originally done and decided they apparently had never been particularly happy with the script. The hierarchy within the BBC saw the finished episode and decided it was unsuitable, so they pulled it from transmission, which meant they had to show Chubby Chumps third because that was the only other episode they had in the can. And then you get into, as we've talked about over the last few weeks, they then get into that whole thing where they're having to basically film the episodes on, on the Friday, edit them over the weekend, and then they go out for transmission on the Monday. And, and it seems to be that the problem the BBC had with it, the reason they seemed to have given the goodies was they didn't think the original version was terribly funny. No mention about it being too political or being too anything. They just didn't think it was particularly funny. The original script is on the DVD, but they reshot two scenes. And the two scenes that were reshot were the two in the South African Tourist Board. The original script was far more political and probably that none of the colour jokes like the sunglasses and the segregated piano and painting Graham's tie uh, are in the original version. Philip Manor's character is a bit more violent and it's more about how they oppress the natives. There's a line there where they're talking about the situation in South Africa and one of the goodies says, well, why don't you just ask the locals what you think? He says, man, we tell them what to think. Uh, yeah, and as I was discussed at the start of the episode, it's that humour but that segregation stuff that does set up where they're going. And I do think without that, the episode wouldn't have worked as well. So yes. Interesting. So you go through that. They edited the film in there. The, the film, uh, the, the promotional film ends with Tim when he's lying in front of the pool at the end, uh, having his cold drink. There is actually a white woman uh, who brings him his drink and then they, they're cavorting on the banana lounge, which was cut. Yes, okay, I can understand that. And then they edited the second scene where they're being headed off to South Africa as well because they're more talking about the nature of the film. The second half of it, as far as I'm aware, is pretty much as, as originally written and recorded. And it was really a case, I think, the BBC, well, they've paid for it, they've put the time into producing it, so, look, we, we have to make it go out. So the goodies submitted a couple of revised scenes which were sort of, I think, begrudgingly approved. They reshot them, and then uh, what you see is on screen. Fair enough. Any final thoughts before we go into our segments? And I think we've covered this in a fairly large amount of detail. No, no, I don't have anything else. I think we've pretty much done the done the content to death. I think. I think so. So we'll move on to our segments then. The first of them being tropes and firsts. Now I've got the use of the song "Run." Yes. Yep. Uh, yes. Bill is sitting there. He has a lemon sherbet in the first yes, scene where they're sitting that. out the front of the estate. Any others? Uh, black and white minstrels. Yes. Too. Yeah, it is an unusual goodies episode. And I think the fact that there are so few of their regular tropes mm. does demonstrate that even further. Do we need to go into any more depth into what they couldn't get away with today or simply say this, well, it wouldn't be an issue that would be tackled today? No, it wasn't cut here, uh, my notes. Which is interesting because legend had it that it was massively cut. But we don't seem to be able to back that up with fact. No, it doesn't seem to have been cut on the ABC. I mean, let's face it, it went out here at six o'clock at night. It would have been heavily edited. 
and, and I'm wondering whether, because I, I had an edited copy of it as well, and I'm wondering if that was one recorded when the Channel 10 or Channel 7 showed them, because mm, they the cut them. Networks. The commercial networks here showed them because they were cut for ads. No, they weren't cut for content as far as I'm aware. Mm. Fair enough. We'll move then into our favourite gags. As I've already said, mine is, you made it look like South Africa's full of black people having a good time. This full of black people, but they're not having a good time. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a very funny gag. Philip Maddock is really good in this, but it also lands, I think, effectively the message of it. That, that was mine. So look, if I can't have that, I'm actually going to go for a scene during Bill's chase sequence where he's at the swimming pool. And he's looking over the fence and you see the legs walk off from the other <laughs> side of the fence. And Foster Bitter is hiding on the other side of the gate. Yes. I must have thought that was quite well done. That was very good. Rob? The sequence where he's reading from the script of The Little Un, I, even though it is problematic, I enjoy it a great Just for his performance. Problematic and all as it is, I did think that was a really, really solid performance. Yes. Oh, look, um, mine gets down to pretty much anything with Philip Maddock in it. It's just, there's so much to choose from. I like the opening bits at the South African board, painting the tie, just, you know, the, the scream of the glasses. Anything you had anything to do with was uh, always my favourite. Yeah, so look, a lot to enjoy, a lot to discuss, but I think we've had a good time doing it. Absolutely. I think so. So next week we'll be joining for... What I think we can say is another very well-known episode, which is the bun fight at the OK Tea Rooms. So, on your way to pen and ink, you might enjoy a scone when you take a walk in the Black Forest. Scone. (laughs) You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. You made it look as if South Africa were full of black people. Worse than that, looked as though it was full of black and white minstrels. <laughs> In South Africa, we have white and white minstrels. You made it look as if South Africa were full of black people having a good time. Well, it is full of black people. But they're not having a good time! <laughs>